Okay, uh, you're very welcome this evening, and I'm just going to say a few words, uh, a few thoughts myself, and then I want to go to a few quotes of Frank Duff, just towards the end, I'm not going to go on, but there's some really, really rich stuff here, so, you know, just want to kind of tap into that if we can. Um, we're joined this evening by Father Brendan and the Immaculate Atta uh, Productions team, and again, thinking about what to say this evening, just as a kind of a starter, starter, main course, and then a bit of discussion is dessert, okay? Anyway, Father Brendan has this program called the Brendan Option, and one of the points he raised recently was this upcoming synod, and he said, you know, we probably hear the usual stuff, lack of vocations, uh, more social justice, more women in the church, married priests, whatever. And I suppose that's all, to be honest, that's above my pay grade, really. That's, that's whatever happens there, happens there. But um, one thing I really liked about what he said was, um, and I, I'm not sure it will come up on the synod, but it's the parish structure and whether it's still fit for purpose. This idea that you're rocked down to your parish and you're going to get uh, vivified and fulfilled and... I kind of have a doubt about that, to be honest, um, or how is it going to be done? But he made a suggestion, which I thought was really kind of good, actually. He said, you know, maybe we should be going back to the early monastic community kind of model, maybe Catholic hubs here and there. We know we have a few brothers here and a priest saying from the, the Dominic Street community. And in some respects, maybe they have a Catholic hub going on. Father Brandon mentioned Knock as well, and uh, maybe that's an area that's something to tap into. I know we've got Simon here from Longford. I know the lads there, there's a men's group, 20 men, with Tommy Riley, and they're doing great stuff there as well, and Father Brandon Walsh. So maybe this hub idea isn't a kind of a bad idea, you know, and even this place here, this building here, is where Frank Duff, I'm going to talk about him later on, and Father Aidan McGrath, I was privileged to be at his last meeting before he died, um, I'll come to them, but they stood in this room here and they sent out millions of leisures around the world to go and try and bring people closer to Christ, closer to the sacraments, basically to come into the legion and basically to lift society, to be 11 in the community. So just to think of that idea, is, as Father Brendan said, Catholic hubs, and it feels like a bit of a Catholic underground here. Um, you know, we're in the room together here, and we're bringing our lady into the conversation. Here she is with us. And let's see where, where it kind of goes to. Okay, you're welcome to this campus anyway. As I said, it's the 100th year of the Legion of Mary. She is the commander, as uh, Brother Emmanuel said, and she's going to guide us um, to where we need to get to, which is heaven. That's what the game is. So there's a couple of points I'd like to just raise first in my head before we move into these quotes I want to read out. So, again, this is a night of prayer, fellowship, discussion on matters of faith. They're really about life and death. Going back to this point of Brother, Father Brandon said about the synod, he said he wanted to see blood on the walls. <laughs> he wants to see passion. He wants to see people nearly fighting for the church because they're so interested in it. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, we need a bit of, you know, what's all the specificity about? You know, we need to need to be sort of saying, this is if so important, well, then we need to talk about the church and where we're going to go. And I'm not, not expecting rows, lads, don't worry, you don't have to get into a big row, but just a, a dialogue to sort of say, well, what's happening, you know? But the question I would like to raise simply tonight, if I was at the Synod, um, is where are all the laymen gone? You know, I hear about this kind of table tennis game between clerical men and women in the church or whatever, Mary McAleese and the whole thing going on there, and I say, okay, I'm not a, 
I'm not a, a, a cleric. I don't particularly want to be a cleric. I don't want to be a nun either. And why, why are we kind of, what, what's this about really at one level? I sort of say, you know, where I'd like to know is, can we have a conversation about where are the laymen? And maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's an, maybe that's why we have a vocations crisis that laymen, you know, didn't really kind of um, say enough. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, is there a blind spot going on here? Um, where are all the Catholic men, I ask? I don't mean men that do the collections at mass or cut the grass. They're important jobs in their own fears. But Catholic laymen that say, I actually really believe this stuff and I think it would really fulfill your life too. Not the type of man that when you call to his door, he says, uh, I'll, get her, I'll get herself. And so let's just be clear here. Is it a case that you, you don't have a soul? You've no interior life at all? Are you so dead inside there's absolutely no thoughts of where you came from or where you're heading to? Your favourite football team is more important than the bigger questions. And maybe that's it, I don't know. You know, is that the view that religion really is? Is, that what it, are we kind of, is it for nerds really? Are we kind of wimps or... Simps is a word I heard actually. My 19-year-old daughter said there's a simp is actually a modern day expression used by girls against fellas, they sort of say they're so, they're so whipped, that's another word actually, it was whipped, um, that they, um, they're simps, you know? You know, if that's kind of language used by girls for young boys or men, I mean, really, it tells its own story. Anyway, I raise this issue because language is important and Frank Duff will deal with that in the quote at the end when he talks about, you know, what's, what's it, where is the, what's the image religion has, you know? Is it something that's seen for, well, you know, He's one of those, he's one of the religious types, you know, it's a bit of a loser, really. That's, is that the narrative, you know? You know? Do we need to own that a bit and sort of say, well, maybe there's a bit of truth in that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's how far we've got, we've got that we're kind of, um, you know, that's how we're seeing, really, you know. We can sort of hear people sort of saying, well, yeah, he probably you could go out with him all right, but he's into that religious stuff, you know, it's kind of, you know. Okay. I remember Christy May, he's not here tonight, he's in the Legion, he went to RTE and he had a big conversion and he joined the Legion and he had a great, great character and he was, uh, he led the riots on the Mount Joy roof and he, RTE had him in and he said, um, you know, he told a story and Christy wouldn't hang back to say it was God that intervened and he had a conversion and um, he overheard the RTE producer say, yeah, yeah, that was, that was really, really good stuff but just try and cut out that God stuff, you know. So, I mean, there's kind of a, we're being pushed back all the time, and that's not today or yesterday, that happened. I suppose at one level, maybe it's the Father Ted-esque of Irish society. We're all a bit Dougal, are we? You know, kind of harmless Egypts running around. Mm. Kind of doesn't, uh, when I see the Sacred Heart kind of rug at the back of Mrs. Doyle's couch, it doesn't really lift my spirits, to be honest. And then I go into Mrs. Brown's Boys when I'm flicking through, I'd never watch it, but I just... There's the picture on the wall, the sacred heart. Everybody laughing, you know, you sort of say, well, I think my brother-in-law's grandfather, he got evicted from his house in Kerry and the only thing he carried out of the house was the sacred heart picture. You know. You know, there's our Lord looking on with compassion, with a full heart, burning with love for every person that he's created, loved into their very existence. So I say it again, where have all the laymen gone? Do they all run because they're afraid to be seen as kind of losers or kind of doogles? Or to paraphrase Cormac Carty's book, made into a film, No Country for Old Men, and maybe it's No Country for Catholic Laymen. Even in this film, we see the drama of good and evil, a play, the evil killer 
Fabian triumphs and killing all around him. Tommy Lee Jones, who's the good cop, retires and evil triumphs. You know, maybe that's, that's what's going to happen, is it? But anyway, anyway, that's Hollywood. And a life evil doesn't get away with it. God will have his say. And that's the second issue I want to raise. First is uh, where are the laymen gone. The second is souls and salvation of souls and heaven. Okay. What's going to happen there? And where is this church that's meant to be saving souls? I mean, is it a chaplaincy? Frank Dover writes in one of his essays, is it a church saving souls or is it a chaplaincy? You know, where is the conversions? Bringing people in, building them up, uplifting them. We don't seem to talk about those things anymore. I just want to raise it there. You know, where is the assistance to save your soul? Or to Listen, we need to save souls and we're not all going to cartwheel into heaven. Maybe we are, but I don't think so. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't actually make intellectual sense that it's all, it's not God, it's Santa Claus, actually, that's in charge. I mean, I, don't, I can't buy that, to be honest. I'm going, no, no. No, no, that's not a, you know, who wants to be kind of, that's, that's not the, maybe that'd be very nice. Yeah, we'd all just get the nod. But I don't think it's as simple as that, to be honest. Um, I think we have to put a shift in, lads, really. That's what I'm saying, you know. There is a consequence of running away. And, you know, we have to kind of just see, ask ourselves that question, well, where, where is my uh, shift? What am I doing, you know? So um, we have a duty to cooperate with our Lord and our Lady, and I suppose the question is, how is that duty going? How is the duty of cooperation going? And for people tonight, the Legion is one avenue. Is that the only avenue, though? Like, I mean, there's, set up a men's group in your area. Do something for our Lord. Do something for our Lady. Just start a men's discussion group, a prayer group, adoration, a youth club, anything at all, to be honest. Like the Legion ran youth clubs all over the city. Great if you can join the Legion, but if, it, if it's not your thing, fine. If you just, but do something to build up the mystical body, you know, because we have a duty to evangelize and do a bit of work. Sorry, that's the way it is. Um, we, prayer we just won't, it won't be enough. You know, as you can gather, I can watch, I watch a few films from time to time. My favourite scene in recent times was it was the box set Chernobyl. Basically, the, the nuclear reactor is, has exploded as in danger of thousands of deaths. They have no solution. The closer you get, the more contaminated you become. Certain death is for anyone near the scene. The suits are all running around. They don't know what to do. The white coats haven't a clue either. Anyway, the true story is that the reactor doesn't explode, but it's saved, it's contained. Good did triumph in this particular situation, and it happened in reality. It was interesting, though, to my mind when I watched it. The suits failed, the white coats failed. The only solution was to cool a mine under the nuclear reactor. And who did it? The toughest, roughest coal miners took it on. The scene is well depicted with these strong, foul-mouthed, but loyal and tough men took on the job knowing that there would be no reward. They would probably die in the process, but they were ready to make that sacrifice. They took it on knowing that it would impact other souls and families in Russian society. The first presidium in America was, were miners. I don't think they were losers or doogles. What's my point? Sometimes we need to get over ourselves and seek the good and the tough things in life. We need to seek hardships. We need to fight with our own capacity to constantly seek comfort and entertainment. We need to fight with ourselves as soldiers of Our Lady as well. She's expecting us to kind of put a shift in. 
at the last conference, Frank Duff spoke with the monks, but he didn't speak, but he was here, and we were quoted, spoke with the monks of the West. These are great Irish men, 4th, 5th, and 6th centuries, went out to Europe and preserved the faith in Europe. Europe wouldn't have, Christendom wouldn't have existed. They went out, I was reading about them during the week, St. Brendan was one of them, went out in boats without sails because they were seeking penance to row. This is our heritage. Frank Duff writes, the passion, the journey to spread the faith was the spirit. Cullum kills Iona, Columbanus to Italy, Brendan and so many others, many others all filled with this overpowering restlessness. These apostolic ones face pathless ways, uncharted seas, and all the terrors of the unknown. Their spirit was akin to St. Paul. They were hungry for souls and deliberately sought hardships, knowing that souls had to be bought at a price. So if you're going to make an impact, you're going to need to put in a bit of a shift. You know, you're going to have to buy with your time and your effort and your prayer. Souls had to be bought at a price. Before I conclude, I'm going to introduce you to a Columban priest who was imprisoned for three years in China. Now let's remember 40,000 legionaries were killed in China. Not because they're Catholics, but because they're legionaries. He died about 20 years ago. He stood in this spot here about two weeks after the Concilium meeting. I was in the room at the time. I didn't really know anything about him, to be honest. But he was suffered, and he was three years in prison in China. And they say a little bird used to come to kind of nearly give him solace. Anyway, he wrote a foreword to one of Frank Duff's books. I'm going to quote from the book in a second, but I just want to kind of set the scene. This is what he said about Frank Duff, and he had three years meditating on this, I suppose, in a Chinese jail. It would have been tragic if these articles had been allowed to perish. The accomplishments of their order are alone sufficient reasons for studying them closely. In them, he pours out his own spirit for the help of those who have joined the army he founded. They are living vital documents, brimful of zeal and confidence, treasuries of a practical wisdom and great experience. I regard these, the publication of these chapters, as one of the most important contributions to the Catholic literature of the century. It's my fervent prayer that to be read and reread, digested and acted upon and passed on by thousands upon thousands of men and women. They demonstrate more than any other composition of modern times the possibilities to organize apostle of the laity. Their secret is that they are a verbal photograph of what their author has seen and experienced in action, and they spring from a soul on fire with active love of the Immaculate Virgin and her Divine Son. So I just want to pause there. This verbal photograph Frank Duff has handed on to us in his writings and his essays and what he set up. Much maligned, maybe, has been 1950s organisation, but I don't think so. A soul on fire with active love of the Immaculate Virgin and her Divine Son, he writes. So this variable photograph idea is kind of interesting because actually over in the wall there, we've got photographs of Idel Quinn and Alfie Lamb. You might know it, Idel Quinn worked in that building there. She went to Africa, died at 36, and set up thousands of branches of the Legion of Mary. She just wanted to give to Our Lady and to God what she could in her very poor health. Alfie Lamb is another man. He worked in that building over there, the Morning Star. 
joined the Legion at 20, died at 26, travelled all over Brazil and Argentina. They weren't hanging back. There was no cartwheeling into heaven. They put in a shift. Frank Duff himself was really into photography and he actually has this camera in the house next door where there's a statue of Our Lady standing, he glued it onto the top of the camera. So every photograph he would take would be kind of with her eyes on it. So I suppose this idea of photography, he seemed to be big into it, looking out over the world. That's why I referenced the, the films and the box sets and even the Maclearta productions and Brendan here this evening, Father Brendan here this evening, trying to maybe, someone out there might spark up something if they see the stuff on YouTube and um, the images the drama between good and evil. So before I hand over to Father Brenda, I just want to finish on one talk, really, and again, to thank MacLeod Productions for their photography and creativity this evening. But I suppose there's this final quote, which is probably, for me, one of the best things that Frank Duff wrote for a man. It's an essay on fear, and we're all full of fear, let's be honest. None of us are kind of, we haven't got it all boxed off. Um, but it was kind of so important that we put this quote, Father Colum and myself were talking about it, we put this quote on the, uh, my dad's missalette, really, you know. Frank Duff has talked about it. It's a long quote, so I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to turn over here to the last kind of uh, page, or the last couple of paragraphs. He talks first about bravado and bravery. Which is bravado? Which is bravery? Bravado, if you walk outside an air... This is written during the World War II. So if you walk outside an air bomb, shelter, whatever they're called, um, um, is that courage or is that kind of foolishness? And he sort of said, it's, it's foolishness, you know what I mean? But if, you're, if you do it when it's your duty and you have to go outside, well, then that's different altogether. So he's talking about duty. And then he says, you know, so in, the, in the articles, people, well, why pick an extreme example such as bombs and airplanes? And then he said, well, our Lord was talking of a test. He picked out an even more extreme one. He specified the laying down of one life as the acid test of quality and love. Frank Dove asks, are you prepared to lay down your life for duty? So, so that's one thing come out from tonight, really, we're talking about fellowship, but we're also talking about duty as well. There's no such thing as a free lunch or free rack, no disrespect there, Mary. We'll get back and tea in a few minutes. But it's a fair point. You know, you need to put a shift in. This is what we're saying here. You can't go to our Lord empty-handed. Seriously, lads. You have to put in a bit of work. I'm going to finish on this quote of Frank Duff on toughness and gentleness. When we want to excuse ourselves for weakness in the face of fear, we take those references to venturing and laying down the life as a kind of pious talk, as counsels of affection which do not apply to us all. That is not so. It's absolutely essential to stand up and face whatever may be tired when there's a duty to be done and there's more than a personal duty. There's a duty in behalf of religion in general. It's extreme importance that religion is a virile thing, a tough thing, in fact. Though most people do not think that way about religion, he says. Just a line that kind of hits me, to be honest. And I'm thinking about the idea, the idea, the, the, the simps and the wimps and all that kind of stuff. He says, religion must be the toughest of things, and the people who are practicing religion should be tough, essentially tough. I do not mean tough in the modern American sense of the word. The toughness I mean includes, in their proper proportions, sweetness and gentleness. These latter must, of course, be, but they must be founded and fortified on strength of character. 
I cannot but feel there is an overstress in religion of the importance of sweetness, and that the impression exists that the strong things must yield to it. Not so. Take the brothers in the morning star mentioned a while ago. He picked those two saints, Saint Jerome and Saint Paul, because they were both hot-tempered men, strong of temper and strong of speech. They were tough men, yet because they were great saints, we can be sure that sweetness was a significant part of their makeup also. But toughness had to be there. If you do not see to that, then we're earning for religion the reputation of being a soft thing that only softies practice. Ah. Oh. Just going to repeat that line. If we do not see to that, then we are earning for religion the reputation of being a soft thing that only softies practice. Okay, maybe there's a bit of Dougal going on there. We are creating the impression, and this is the real killer line, we are creating the impression that the legions of Satan are really the virile people of the world, whereas the opposite should be the case. Imagine how destructive to the interests of religion such a popular misconception would be. Its first effect would be the upstanding young people who play special value on courage with look on religion as effeminate and would only practice it by stealth if they practice it at all. I'm going to read that last line. Its first effect would be the upstanding young people who play special value on courage would look on religion as effeminate and would only practice by stealth if they practice it at all. Maybe Frank Duff has something to say to us there. I'll hand it over to Brother Manuel to get the rest of the proceedings moving. Thanks.